Welcome to the latest podcast in the Workplace series from the People Mentor, Nicola Richardson. Hi, welcome to the latest podcast from Nicola at the People Mentor. Today we're interviewing Jackie Jaguar, whose business is Beyond Boundaries Coaching. Welcome, Jackie. Thanks, Nicola. Great to be here. Good. Lovely to speak to you. I've been wanting to interview you for ages and just hadn't sorted it. So tell us a bit about your business first. What is it and how long has it been going? Oh, the pressure's on now that you've said that. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so I, my business, um, as you said, is Beyond Boundaries Coaching um, and I'm a mindset coach. Mm-hmm. So my specialism is working with women in business to help them conquer their fear of failure and get back to being the kick-ass girl they used to be Mm -hmm. so it's um I guess really working with people who um know that they want to make a shift within their business so that might be people who are first transitioning to being self-employed or people who have kind of reached a bit of a plateau Um, but my approach is very much about working with the person first um, and helping yeah. to really kind of un- unpin the things, unpick, sorry, the things that underpin their behaviours. So um, our, our actions and behaviours are typically driven by our beliefs. We behave in line with our beliefs. Mm-hmm. Um, and so often um, the results that we get are determined by the actions that we take, but mm. we kind of try and make change to the actions that we're taking. And sometimes we don't delve deeper underneath to understand what it is that's prompting us to take those actions and, and have those habits mm. so if you unpick that um, then you can make some quite significant shifts quite quickly um, and that's that's the stuff that I love those real kind of light bulb moments with my clients and getting them mm. kind of past those those hurdles um, and rocking and rolling in their business So is it sometimes like they believe they're not good enough or what sort of beliefs could it be? There's all kinds of different things. So um, a lot of the the common themes are that people have natural behaviours that come from a prolonged period of being in employment. Mm -hmm. So I normally work with people probably in the first, I'd say, kind of few years of being self-employed. And when you're in employment, you tend to be surrounded by a team, you have a boss, you've got clear objectives. It's normally quite clear what you need to do in order to be seen as doing a good job. Mm. Um, It's normally quite clear to you from kind of experience and knowledge what the steps are to take Mm -hmm. that lead to success. And when you move into self-employment, it's a very different um, world. Mm. So you, you don't have anybody telling you what, what's a realistic goal or what you should be aiming to achieve. There isn't a set career path. Um, there isn't the same kind of structure or rituals around your time. You often don't have that kind of support network of people to bounce ideas around with straight away. And then you might start looking on the internet for advice and guidance and you kind of get swamped and overwhelmed with everybody having different views and different opinions um, that that kind of lead to a bit of kind of overwhelm. Um, And and it's a lot of it for my clients is that their identity is tied in with being successful and in their careers that is relatively low risk. Whereas to get success in self-employment, 
you have to get comfortable with learning as you go and with taking the risk of falling on your bum and looking like a bit of an idiot or things not working out the way that you plan. And those in particular are some of the things that people find difficult of kind of, you know, if I do this, is it going to work? Mm-hmm. And they question themselves so much about it and then don't take action and they keep themselves stuck as a result. Mm-hmm. Well, I can vouch for that, can't I? So, <laughs> um, so you know, I, I don't like admitting Jackie's helped me in the past. So, um, and very useful it's been too. So there you go. Um, so what made you start your business? So I kind of started my business by mistake. Um, so I left my last employed job. Mm-hmm. Uh, I live in the Midlands and I was working in London at the time. And my initial intention, um, when, I, when I look back, I didn't recognise it at the time, but when I look back, I was on the verge of burnout. I was working on hours. Mm. I was in a role that didn't play to my strengths. Um, I was absolutely shattered. And I, I was getting to a point, I've got a really vivid memory of um, driving between Watford and Hemel on the M1, um, being on the phone to a colleague and I am a really practical down to earth kind of girl um, and I just literally had to cut her off the phone because in the mid conversation I I was swamped with emotion and just burst into tears. And um, so I I left with nothing to go to with the intention at the time of I'm going to start looking for something that is closer to home. I'll be able to make it more manageable, work less hours. I'll be able to get back to going to do exercise and see friends more and and the things I felt I was missing. Mm. And then I started looking around and I just wasn't inspired by anything I saw. Mm. It just felt that it's kind of doing the same all over again. Mm. Um, And and I think, you know, for, for a lot of my clients, there's a similar kind of experience of, you know, getting to a point in their career of kind of like, I'm not excited. It doesn't light me up. It's not what I love. Um, so yeah, I kind of did it that way around and left and then realized that I wanted to start the business. Um, and coaching, I'd coached people for years in leadership roles. Um, I'd had executive coaching twice with previous employers. Um, And I was just fascinated by the difference that it could make in such a short time. Mm. Um, And I knew that I wanted to work with business owners because for me, the, the joy of coaching is in people really having the passion for what's their reason for why they want to make a change you know their reason for for having a goal and something that really matters personally to them Hmm. so executive coaching kind of organizational coaching um is really meaningful for the individuals and like i said i'd experienced it but in working with people who have their own business they have the opportunity and the autonomy to set the goals that they want that meet their needs personally as mm-hmm. well as needs of their business. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's the bit that I absolutely love is, is seeing those personal shifts and seeing the results that they achieve in their business as a result of that. Mm. I can imagine it, it makes it does make you feel like you're making a difference, doesn't it? So mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So what sort of roles did you have before you started your business and what were you able to take out of those to use for your business other than the executive coaching obviously (laughs) 
So I, I was quite fortunate, I guess, in that I'd had, um, so I spent five years on the senior team at a very fast growing entrepreneurial business. Uh-huh. So um, we grew it from um, 19 million to 45 million turnover in the space wow. of five years. Um, so that, that growth came really quickly. Um, and I got a lot of exposure to um, all kinds of aspects, really, um, sales, customer service, operations, logistics. Um, so I'd, I'd had a career that kind of gave me exposure to kind of breadth of business understanding yeah. rather than a technical specialism in, I don't know, marketing or finance or what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, and, I, and I'd for a number of years, both directly and indirectly, I'd managed very sizable teams. So um, indirectly at one point, I was responsible for 600 people. Um, so yeah, those kind of leadership capabilities and awareness of um, the importance of developing people in order yeah. to achieve organisational goals, um, I'd had a, a huge amount of exposure to as well. Mm, 600 people, wow. <laughs> <laughs> not, not all directly. <laughs> um, but kind of, yeah. yeah. Directly yeah, and indirectly. Sleep. Would you never <laughs> sleep? Um, so what, what was the biggest lesson you learned um, from going into business? I think probably for me, it, it was around the patience and consistency. Mm-hmm. So I have never been particularly patient. I've always <laughs> been quite pacey. I've always worked at pace. Um, and I, I enjoy working at pace. Mm-hmm. And I think it is really difficult in the early days um, to, to, I guess, know exactly who it is that you want to work with, how you want to work, um, and, and it takes time for, for that to kind of evolve and become clear. Yeah. Um, so for me, it, it was that lesson of, um, I, I really love the quote of stay fixed on your vision and be flexible about your methods. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that was the, the thing for me that was a real key lesson in the early days was, yeah, stay true to where I wanted to get to and the vision that I have for my own business, um, but learn to um, accept that it will take time and that there is learning and that you, you just can't, there's no short, short, cuts really you've just got to do the work yeah so so that was your lesson what Mm -hmm. was the actual challenge that you chased when you that you faced rather when you set up in business and was there anything that particularly stands out to you that you found really challenging yeah I think I think it's one that a lot of business owners will share um the the biggest challenge for me has has been and continues to be um maintaining focus um Mm -hmm you you can do a hell of a lot and most of us are capable of far more than we realize mm. but the the temptation to do bits and pieces over here and bits and pieces mm-hmm. over there and have ideas come in from here and we mm. need to do this and we need to do this and we need to do this mm. um i see that I've, I've seen that all the time in my employed jobs um you know and, and i definitely see it for myself um there are a million and one things that i want to do um, and the temptation is there to kind of start doing them all because they're all new and exciting. And mm. what I need to do um, is is to really stay, like I say, stay clear on my my vision and make sure that my my methods get me there. And it's that kind of focus and checking in and monitoring the progress that I'm making um, that that makes the difference. 
great tip there thank you for that i think i need to go away and reflect <laughs> i would tell everybody else that uh yes thank you jackie <laughs> so nearly all of us <laughs> yeah i think so um so you, presumably you had managers in your past as well as you managing so Absolutely. what stands out to you that was good or bad about any of them so i think probably the the biggest thing um that that i felt was was brilliant was managers who understood me and used and appreciated and made me feel valued for my strengths um and that's probably something that i guess i've only really reflected on kind of coming out and coming into self-employment is um, the value of um, using people's strengths. I think yeah. there's a real tendency in organisations um, for us to, you know, the, the typical thing when you have a review is that the, the structure of the form is what does this person do well and what do they need to develop? Um, and the conversation often becomes about trying to um, fix people, change them, get to kind of smooth off the edges, get them to, to kind of develop on the, the weak side. And actually, there's a massive amount, um, you know, and, and the, the leaders and managers who got the best out of me um, found ways to play to my strengths. Mm. Um, and I think that's probably the, the biggest single thing um, that has made a shift um, for me is that that realisation. Yeah, and I think you're right. I think that if you concentrate on people's strengths, you see those strengths grow um, and you see them less, more, you know, losing confidence because they're being almost highlighted all the time about their, their weaknesses. I hate that word, but the bits that they need to develop more. And, and I just, I just drives me nuts. Just let's, let's be positive about things instead of negative. Um, and interesting. Yeah, go on. I was just going to say, I think there is a, a kind of feeling that being able to kind of troubleshoot and unpick and understand what's wrong is, is seen as being sophisticated, is, seeing, is seen as being business focused. And I think focusing on strengths is seen as a bit fluffy and airy-fairy. Mm -hmm. And there's a nervousness around going down that route and, and kind of people mess potentially thinking that kind of oh it's it's all nice to give people pats on the back and what have you and strengths work is not all about just patting somebody on the back it's mm. about saying right okay this is the organizational goal that we need to achieve you know what do you do naturally what do you, what comes easily to you that can allow you to contribute to achieve that goal and and that makes such a difference than saying you know okay you, you're not good enough at this we need to work on this yeah um, and, and I, yeah yeah I definitely it's not fluffy at all um when you use it in that way no not at all and interestingly um i went to tedx yesterday and there was a speaker from a school in warrington mm -hmm. where they have scrapped marking because they mm -hmm. realized that the pupils were taking no notice whatsoever and they're now having um conversations um for fee feedback um and it was very interesting to listen to but what i did think was missing was the strengths bit so i spoke to the gentleman afterwards and he said that they had tried the strengths bit with the pupils and they found that they then thought they didn't need to continue to improve but i suppose it's how you have that conversation you you're getting and you're getting into growth mindset now and i've got a real bee in my bonnet about this yeah um, so 
growth mindset, um, which is a term that is used quite commonly now, um, for me has really been dumbed down. So growth mindset is that, that thing that says I'm not good at this yet. Mm. Um, and for me that really goes hand in hand with strengths Mm -hmm. because there are, yes, I'm not saying by using strengths that there aren't things that people will need to develop, but there are things that will naturally suit some people's style Mm. and allow them to do things in a way that is more natural and more easy for them. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, that one of the things that, um, is is interesting for me is that, um, when we look at, when I work, do my work with, with business owners, there is a real sense that people need to have certainty and need to know the right answer. Mm. And often that can start from school. It can Mm. start from that kind of, you know, you, you get marked on whether or not you give the right answer rather than, um, you know, by, by asking questions, by being prepared to get it wrong. And we kind of, people become conditioned to, you know, that, that whole thing of thinking, feeling, none of us wants to be the one to put our hand up and say, I don't understand. Can you explain that? Yeah. Um, you know, and we all, we all have, have said it of, you know, there are no stupid questions. Yeah. You're thinking it's someone else will. Um, but yeah. as, as humans, as individuals, we don't want to be the one to put our hand up. We don't want to be the one that's kind of ridiculed for not having the knowledge. That's right. Um, and, and actually, if you can kind of get to that place where no one person has to hold all the knowledge and it's okay to have things go wrong and create the learning from it, then you, you can get much further um, than, than if you create the conditions where people kind of have to get things right. Mm. So there's some really good tips there for anybody listening, I think. So thank you for that, Jackie. No, I'm going to... I'm going to slip a, a question in here now that I, I'm, I, I would love answering. So how do you think personal energy, self-belief and commitment impacts leadership and your style? So I guess for me, it's, it's really interesting to consider um, what we mean by self-belief mm-hmm. because a lot of my clients would say they want to work on their confidence they want to to have Mm self-belief and they want to work on that so that then they can take the action that's going to get them the result that they want yeah however it's a bit (laughs) chicken and egg because the way that you learn is by taking the action and taking the learning from the action yeah what works what doesn't yeah so actually it's often about being brave rather than being confident. Mm-hmm. It's about taking the action, knowing that you won't necessarily be able to do it perfectly and being prepared to then do it and see what the outcome is and see how you can then take that learning into the next time that situation arises. Mm. So yeah. that, that for me is, is the crux of it is yeah. that it, not really about self-belief it's about that self-awareness it's about being brave with your action and being able to have the self-awareness and self-reflection to take the learning and apply it Mm. yeah now that really makes sense thank you for that um 
and personal energy I suppose to get anything done to get the actions done you need to have that energy don't you so that kind of makes sense doesn't it and that fits better together to me so, yeah. yeah again energy is is an interesting one um because again this comes up for for clients that I work with who talk to me about the, how they manage their time mm-hmm. and there is often a sense of wanting to manage time to, to be productive to get more stuff done mm. um and actually if you manage your energy you can get more done in a in a focused half hour where your energy is high mm. and in a good place than in three hours where your energy is shot to pieces and you're in a bad place yeah and I think there is a sense when you're um, working in organisations of, um, you know, we, we talk about kind of absence management and presenteeism being one of the reasons mm. why um, absence rates are, are dropping. Mm. There is a sense of kind of being present and being there for yeah. 40 hours a week. Um, you know, that is part of the deal. And I think actually one of the things for me as as now I'm stepping into self-employment over the last few years mm. has been I manage my energy very differently because I don't relentlessly push myself. I will take breaks because there's no one to answer to. Um, and I will change up my working day. So I'm more of a night owl than a morning person. And now I don't have to be at work at a certain time in the morning. Mm. I often shift my working day and I'll often, um, you know, do something different within the day and break it up, um, but then work into the evening. Mm. And those flexibilities aren't always there within organisations, within employment, but where you do have the opportunity to affect your energy by making some of those choices and having autonomy over how you work, um, the impact of that can be huge. Mm, and it certainly can. And it can make a difference at home as well. Um, I recently heard a story of a senior leader who was uh, stopping work late afternoon and having time with his children when they came home from school. And then he would start working again in the evening when they'd gone to bed. Mm-hmm. Um, and he felt he had a better work-life balance as a result. So... Your, your brain responds differently when you have autonomy and choice mm. over how you behave. Um, and so to, to have the freedom to make those choices can, can be immensely valuable. Mm, definitely. It does make a huge difference. So thank you for that. That's really helpful. So um, in case all of you didn't realise, that was part of an assignment question I had and I wanted to... <laughs> get Jackie's in, input into that so thank you Jackie you're <laughs> and, very welcome <laughs> and let's hope the examiner's not listening <laughs> I was going to say let me know what mark we get <laughs> yeah I will don't you worry okay so um the other thing I wanted to, to ask you about because of all your um vast experience um in employment as well as being a coach what tips you had on handling difficult conversations so the, the biggest tip I would have is do it, don't dodge it. <laughs> like it, like it. That's one that I need to stick. <laughs> um, yeah, time and time again, what I see is people are cautious of having, and, and this, this applies in organisations, particularly where um, people are managing teams, 
and there can be, you know, it might be there's, there's conflict between different members in a team. It might be that there is, um, you know, behavioral stuff of somebody, um, you know, not, not meeting expectations. Um, and so often I see people kind of shy away from actually tackling it and having the conversation. Mm-hmm. And it really affects relationships. Um, it can affect relationships between peers because if one person is, um, you know, not not doing something, not pulling their weight, for example, um, then then there can be resentment that builds between peers. Um, there can be frustration that builds. Um, so dodging those tricky conversations tends in my experience what you see as a result is is a build-up of um you know that emotion um and and often not always but often that can then kind of simmer and and then kind of come to a head further down the line mm-hmm. so even if you are not an expert in doing it actually if you knit things in the bud often mm. it's better than you expect it, it, it doesn't need as much skill as you might think. And when you get further down the line, you've prevented that kind of simmering, seething kind of cauldron that, that runs the risk of, of blowing up. Mm, I think that's so true. And also I've been in um, organisations where uh, situations haven't been dealt with and they've gone on for years. And then when they're finally dealt with, and somebody actually gets on and does it, that you find that that really then creates a major problem because they've always been allowed to get away with it. And you have, you know, they'll bring evidence out, etc. Well, I was allowed to do it here. I was allowed to do it there. And you just think if somebody had just dealt with it straight away, then we won't be in this position. So have to and agree I think, with you. Yeah. And I think the other thing I would say is to take the emotion out of it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if in a, in a difficult conversation, have the conversation about, you know, the behavior or the issue, not about the person yeah. and steer clear of emotive words and, and use real kind of, um, you know, facts, detailed, you know, observed behaviors mm-hmm. as opposed to um, using language that will generate emotion. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Big difference. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's no good going in when you're in a in in a temper, and I've seen I've seen that happen, and it doesn't work. It definitely doesn't work. And luckily, it wasn't me. (laughs) So uh, there you go. So yeah, thank you for that, Jackie. Really appreciate those tips there. Um, And then I'm going to this. Jackie's so good about how how you sell your services or products. And I just wanted her to share a few tips um, with business owners, because I know a lot of business owners do struggle with the the confidence and the ability um, to to sell. And Jackie makes it sound so simple. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. And, and you know, my philosophy on this. So um, stop trying to sell. Yeah. Um, so the, the reason, um, that so many people get a real kind of, um, icky feeling when it comes to thinking about sales and putting themselves out there in sales conversations is that the associations that we tend to have with sales come from situations that have been poor examples 
and they're memorable because they're poor. So it's the second-hand car salesman, you know, on his job on the lot, trying to a little bit woo, a little bit way, trying to sell you whatever he's got to flog that month. Um, you know, it's the um, credit card salespeople that kind of jump from nowhere when you're in a shopping centre and try and get you to apply for a credit card when, you know, it's totally disruptive mm-hmm. day and that wasn't what you were there for. So we remember these negative experiences of pushy salespeople and we don't want to be like that. We don't want to be pushy. No. What we forget is that day in, day out, our lives involve us being consumers. Yeah. <laughs> we go to the supermarket and we do a weekly shop. We, we don't think to ourselves, oh my goodness, you know, all these people with their offers and putting things in the shop to, for us to buy, how dare they? Because we go there because it's convenient, because it's what we want to buy, what have you. We, we don't attach emotion when we are in the process of buying and we do attach emotion when we feel that we are um, trying to sell ourselves and put ourselves out there. Um, there's also a fear of judgment of you know if it's me and my business and somebody says no to that mm-hmm. that feels uncomfortable I might feel judged um so that can that can kind of factor it in as well so my my philosophy is you know when you are in a situation where you have a product or a service to sell and you are going to have conversations with people whether that's meeting them at networking events or whether that's um you know, following up on a lead or whether that's, you know, putting yourself out there on social media, your job is not to sell. Mm -hmm. Your job is to help whoever potential customers out there make the right decision for them. Mm. Because if they make the right decision for them, it will either be yes or no. And if it's yes, and it's the right decision for them, it will also be the right decision for you. Mm-hmm. And that's a beautiful thing. But if it's the wrong decision for them, you don't want to push them into it anyway, because mm-hmm. that would just be, you know, that that's never going to work. They're not going to be happy. They're not going to be the kind of customer that's going to recommend you. So instead of trying to sell, your job is just to help mm-hmm. that person to make the decision. That's it. Mm. And that, that for some of them, that decision will be yes. And for some of them, it will be no. Mm. And again, it's taking the emotion away. So it's not about judgment. It's not about kind of being like some dodgy secondhand car salesman. Mm. It's about the kind of, right, what's, what's the logical process by which um, I can enable somebody to make that decision as to whether or not they want to buy. Hmm. yeah and and part of that is getting to talk to your um your customer and and um get to know them and that's one of my pet hates when i do go networking where you get some people who just try to immediately launch into a sales pitch instead of getting to know you so And, and that's the thing you know that's another great example of that that thing where people don't want to be that person We've all experienced it at networking mm. events. Yeah. Um, so we don't want to be like them. So then we just hold back and we don't talk about what we do or anything. Mm. But you can't be a secret and a success. <laughs> That's true. You can't, can you? <laughs> so it's finding that balance and, and, you know, generating the opportunity that people can, you know, figure out whether or not what you're selling is what they want to buy. Yeah.
Yeah, so great advice there from Jackie. Thank you, Jackie. Um, so I'm going to go to the last question. What's the biggest tip you would share with other business owners for them to take away from this podcast? I think for business owners, the, the key thing I would say is get the right kind of help and support around you. Mm-hmm. And that, that can be, um, you know, having community, having, um, you know, other people who understand you and, and where you come from. So whether, you know, business owners, um, it can be about the team and having the right people in the right place to support you. If you're an employer or if you're outsourcing and, and they've got work, um, it can be about the kind of the services you buy. Um, you know and what you choose to buy but the difference that it can make you know to to how you feel day in day out about yourself about your business about your ability to achieve what you want to achieve it's night and day when you've got the right support you feel totally on top of the world and that you can make this happen Mm. and so many I think get drawn into that hamster wheel of trying to you know spin the plates mm-hmm. keep everything going and make things happen themselves and it's exhausting and it, it's not fun anymore no that's, so, yeah, yeah yeah a great end thank you jackie and i think that's a great tip as well so i really appreciate that so well that's it for today so thank you jackie for taking part and for sharing so many useful tips for the listeners really appreciate it thank you Um, for having me i've loved being on yeah no it's been great so thank you for listening everyone it's bye from the people mentor until next time thank you everyone bye thanks for listening we hope you enjoyed the podcast if you need any help or advice please contact nicola on Nicola Richardson at thepeoplementor.co.uk The People Mentor, driving your business forward.